This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. All the business is, is arbitrage. That's all it is. Arbitrage means exchanging something for something else with the two items holding differing degrees of value for either party. And so said another way, business is a process of capitalizing on someone else's lack of access to something. And by providing them the ability to obtain that thing, you're able to fill the disparity. What that translates to or requires for creators is a curiosity and ultimately commitment to discover, decide on, and then deliver a resource that others don't have or don't know how to fulfill, which then gives you an edge in the marketplace if what you have is something of value to an underserved subsection or target audience. And so as entrepreneurs, as problem finders and problem solvers, our job is to constantly be looking for these arbitrage opportunities, right? Finding or making something to fill a need for a specific niche who does not know how to fix or find it themselves is what arbitrage and entrepreneurship is all about. And the more scarce that the solution is, the more you will be compensated for offering the supply. One of my favorite quotes is from Elon Musk, and he said, you are paid in proportion to the difficulty of the problem you solve. So if you can, seek out and solve difficult problems. When the demand is strong for difficult to find solutions, the more valuable the, su the supply becomes. And so if you can help solve a dire issue that the market is facing, and if you can do it really, really well, that's what allows you to charge premiums on your product. So there are three types of arbitrage that I wanna go over in this episode. First, we have knowledge and information, we have goods and services, and then we have what I'll call technology and infrastructure. And so I'm going to break each of these down and describe how creators can exploit them to generate abundance in the market for others and as a byproduct then for themselves. So let's start with knowledge and information. Information itself is pretty much useless. It's really about what you do with it. And using information paired with, let's call it experience, is sort of how I think about knowledge. And so without getting too philosophical, if you know something that someone else doesn't know, then there's a disparity between what you have and what they want. And you're presumably in a position of power within that particular dynamic. And if that person wants what you understand how to do, then you can offer it and do so again with high premiums depending on the availability of that item in the market or to what extent you're offering compares to other providers, etc. And if you have knowledge that translates to a unique skill, but the market doesn't know about it, then you have to make your audience acutely aware of the gaps in their life and then propose the perfect solution to solve for that. And so examples of information arbitrage could be any sort of online education product. So a course or a coaching offer where you're trading on your experiential knowledge which maybe you've then translated to, let's say, a step-by-step -step roadmap for how to do some task. And in cases like this, where the point of differentiation is the, the degree of your specialization in your field, it's not so much the deliverable that people are buying. It's the expertise that goes into it. So for that reason, of all three of the arbitrage categories, 
that we're talking about today, knowledge is arguably the highest leverage format because theoretically, it can scale uncapped if you can replicate what you know over and over. And it's really hard to put a price on someone who has the expertise to perform a specific task that not everyone can do. Surgeons or doctors or pilots are also examples of people who provide knowledge in action, but also a, a form of service, obviously, which I'll get to here in a second. With them, you're paying for their years of training, not for the motions that they go through to do the thing. Anybody could, could go through those motions. Very few people have the knowledge and the expertise to do it correctly. And so they've earned the right to deal to society in a very narrow area. But when the performance of those duties are required, their knowledge becomes extraordinarily valuable, therefore positioning them to command higher prices for that labor, right? And so if you can attain what I'd describe as granular knowledge on a very pointed skill, you could do quite well because your market, even if it's small, will pay you a lot of money when they need what you do. This leads directly into arbitrage play number two, which is basically goods and services. And so if you think about countries for a minute, every country has their unique exports, right? These goods are bartered and traded and sold across the world as the foundation of our economy. To state the obvious, those naturally occurring resources are worth less to the country of origin, but comparatively more to countries that don't have them in abundant supply. The reason that oil can be sold to the West in prices that we don't control is because of our limited supply, but persistent demand. We have less versus oil-rich countries that control production and distribution. And so by the same token, if you can offer goods or services that the market can't find elsewhere, you can do very well. And this category is where differentiation is perhaps most prominent. Another example here, well, I'll give two from my, my own world, and that's Airbnb rental arbitrage and retail arbitrage. So a couple of years ago, I took a course and started a short-term rental business with a partner for Airbnbs. And what we did was essentially lease out units as long-term rentals while then leveraging those units as short-term rentals on Airbnb to cash flow above the cost of our, our lease. And so we were arbitraging the space by taking it for one price, repackaging it, repositioning it on a different platform, and basically reselling it at a markup. Another example is e-commerce. The whole retail industry is based on arbitrage, right? Merchants charge more to customers who purchase their products than what it costs to find them or create them. For my done-for-you Amazon store, it's all based on arbitrage, not just in the drop shipping and the wholesale model that we use, but in the actual service that I paid for the management of my store. The individual that I, that I invested with to, to run the business end-to-end -end has such a high leverage skill set paired with a very lucrative offer, which is basically that you'll cash flow X amount every month once your store is fully scaled, that he can charge a very hearty multiple on what the actual operational cost is to you know, do, the, do the things required to actually make the store run, creating a seller account on Amazon, starting the store, picking a few products, and then commissioning a couple of virtual assistants in the Philippines to manage the day-to-day. -day. And so that is the power of using arbitrage for goods and services. And if info arbitrage relies on scarce knowledge, then success in service-based arbitrage relies on rare or high quality offers products and fulfillment for customers. And that brings us to modality number three, which is technology or infrastructure. Now, this is probably the most difficult asset to build or create, but it's 100% the most defensible of the three. 
And if you can scale up here, it has the best chance to become a monopoly within your sector because of the degree of difficulty associated with scaling tech or systems that host some kind of logistical process for people. The most obvious examples here would probably be companies like Amazon Web Services, Google, both of which actually mix all, all three of these categories. But even physical arbitrage companies like cruise lines or let's say hotel companies or the government who's a massive player in this category, right? These companies are building the host product, the, the thing that supports the flow of transport for pennies on the dollar versus what they then charge uh, consumers to use the thing. After a relatively short period of time, then the project pretty much pays for itself and it becomes an asset working for you as people continue to use it in perpetuity. Software tools uh, are another good example here because they have no incremental cost to issue a license or make a new login for a new user, yet they charge that user for continued access to the system, right? Now, these things also double as a service, but hopefully you get the idea. You're gaining access to a proprietary interface that costs nothing to let you in the door, but requires a monthly fee in order to, to continue to, to enjoy. And so that's how tech arbitrage works. And again, this is the most complex of the three, but if you can build a structure, a system, a technical product where for all intents and purposes, you do the thing once, it then becomes a waterfall that lets you charge people a toll to gain entrance to over and over and over. So those are the three ways that arbitrage can be used to build a unique business and position it to scale. Again, all business is some form of arbitrage and there's leverage in all of these models. The best one for you is always going to be the one that fits your skills, your passion, etc. My hope is that by providing some context around these three types, you can better define where your business falls and how you can position yourself for growth. I'd also be remiss if I didn't address that if you're a heart-led entrepreneur listening to this show, you may have noticed a feeling or had a thought, as I do, frankly, when I step back and think about how capitalism flows in this way, which is more or less what I've explained here, and you might be thinking to yourself, this seems like it's just a gigantic system of people taking other people or taking advantage of someone else's ignorance or inability to access something that someone else has. And I've thought about this a lot. I think that point is valid, but it also points to the soul and the energy that you bring to what you do. And it's quite literally the difference between a sort of old school, hardened, heartless approach to business, which says prosper at all costs, which is the archetypal kind of exploitative expansionist capitalist mindset versus the new way, which is very much about conscious capitalism, which recognizes that the world is what it is, we're inside of a giant real life game of monopoly, but that you can still play the game while doing so with compassion. Meaning, treat your customers correctly. Don't extort, right? Try to pair what you do with some cause-based element. Be charitable, give back, and so on. And so I think all of these sorts of altruistic intangibles, if you will, are going to become much more important as the world wakes up to a lot of the corruption that does permeate a lot of the sectors across global markets today. So the goal, I think, becomes how can I be cunning? How can I be creative and master the game of business so that I can prosper, so that I can excel? But how can I do it in a way that is ultimately making the world a better place using mutually beneficial practices that let me care for my employees, that let me serve in integrity, and let me treat my customers with care? 
I'll also add that I feel strongly that within the next decade, any company that is not charitable, that is not fair trade or climate friendly or totally organic, if it's a food brand, is going to be taking its, its final breath. There's a path to prosperity with positivity, and I do imagine a world where the methods I outlined here can be applied within that context. And so I'll leave you guys with that. I hope you found this episode valuable. If you did, it would mean the world to me. If you share, tag me on social. I will reshare your post and drop a five-star review for the show. With that, I will catch you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things. And hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you. And that's it. I will see you in the next episode.